Welcome to Financial Planning for Oil and Gas Professionals, hosted by certified financial planners Justin Brownlee and Jared Machen of Brownlee Wealth Management. The only podcast dedicated to those of you in the oil and gas profession to help you optimize investments, lower future taxes, and grow your wealth. Learn more and subscribe today at brownleewealthmanagement.com. Welcome to FPOG, Financial Planning for Oil and Gas Professionals. We're excited to talk this week about how to retire early from a large oil and gas company. In our last episode, we talked with Alan Killian about transitioning from his role at WPX Energy to doing his own venture. We're going to talk a little bit about a situation similar to his. If you're retiring in your early 60s to do independent consulting or any type of independent work, but then we also want to talk about what what if you want to do that at age 50, at age 45, what are the considerations? Ultimately, You could retire at 50 if let's pretend that you're spending $12,000 a month in your life. And if you have three or $4 million saved, you could, you could potentially just simply retire at that, at that point. But what if you don't hit that stage yet and you want to retire early? What are some opportunities to go into independent work or a different, more enjoyable job where you don't quite have the assets to be financially independent. We're going to talk about some different strategies and financial planning considerations there. Let's jump into how to retire early from a large oil and gas company. So last episode we we recorded was with Alan Killian and it was a great episode and it really, that was kind of the catalyst for this episode. So we just wanted to talk about a couple of different scenarios and, and considerations to think through as you're retiring from a large, uh, oil and gas company. So the first vantage point we wanted to take was maybe kind of a, the case study of of him uh, or someone like him in late 50s, early 60s, uh, separating from a company. What kind of considerations and things uh, should someone in, in that scenario be thinking about? Alan's episode is great. And I think that's something we may need to do more often, have uh, uh, some folks that are really going through um, that transition from well, we should do a few things. We should have somebody that is just purely retiring. But then I loved hearing Alan's story because he is retiring from a large oil and gas company, WPX. They're going through a merger acquisition right now. And so he his situation, though, a little bit different. He's not purely retiring. He's starting his own LLC and he will continue to do some work, but he's going to work on his terms. He's probably going to work less. He's going to have significantly more freedom, but he's still going to use his skill set. I think there's such a difference between somebody like Alan, so let's just say early 60s, compared to someone doing this much younger, let's say age 50. And so if we just break those down, let's first talk about the early 60s scenario. There's so many different things going on in your early 60s because you are probably in the back of your head you're thinking I'm not Medicare age yet so how are we going to how are we going to transition this my uh, my healthcare costs are potentially going to be a lot more expensive than they were last year and I've got a few years until Medicare but then you also have to think through if you're doing this in your 60s and you're retiring to start your own, maybe it's a consulting or whatever type of work you're going into, well, that is kind of a, a traditional retirement age. So you probably have significantly more retirement assets than somebody who's doing this at age 50. So in that scenario where you're doing this in your mid-60s, I think one of the key considerations, and, and we'll kind of go back and forth and talk about a few, but 
gosh, that first year tax planning, 60s are, that's the fourth quarter being tax planning. That's the fourth quarter. There's four minutes left. And the reason I say that is you have a, you have a very fixed amount of time that you can make tax decisions when you retire. Once you turn age 70 and age 72, uh, your opportunity to do a lot of those tax maneuvers between pre-tax assets and Roth assets, it really goes away. And so I think one of the key considerations is thinking through those first few years, if your LLC isn't making a whole lot yet, really take that as an opportunity to make sure you're doing some Roth conversions. Because maybe you do start your own consulting firm and it goes pretty well. And three years later, you're making a couple hundred thousand a year. Well, doing a Roth conversion then is not going to be nearly as effective because you're already filling up those low tax brackets. So I think that's that's one thing to think about on the front end. In your first year, when you don't have a whole lot of revenue yet, potentially, if that's your situation, take that low income year and don't squander it. Make sure you fill up low brackets if it makes sense from a Roth conversion perspective. Yeah. One of the biggest pros of retiring early and doing the self-employed thing is also one of the biggest cons because one of the opportunities we see is those no income years between when you retire and when social security and RMDs kick in. There's a lot of planning opportunities related to that no income. But if you have employment income, some of those opportunities may be diminished or may go away, which is a good thing. So, you know, you just want to be mindful of, of how you're setting aside money and saving, hopefully in a tax advantage way. But you also, we've talked about this in prior episodes, but you want to build tax diversification, right? If, if 90% of your assets are pre-tax and you have self-employed income and you have an opportunity to set aside some money in addition to funding your living expenses, allocating more money to pre-tax accounts doesn't really move the needle for you. And it really just kicks the tax can down the road. So that's just something to be aware of and mindful of. It's replacing that income is valuable, but how, how you save also matters and it should be in a tax efficient manner. You know, one other huge opportunity there is capital gains. So if you're in your early 60s and you're leaving a high income at a large oil and gas company, and then you go into doing your own thing, you might have a year or two with low income where you could harvest capital gains at a 0% tax rate. Um, that's something that doesn't get talked about a whole lot, but there is a 0% tax rate. So when, when you fill out your tax return and you sell a, whether it's a fund, an ETF or a single stock position in a non-retirement account, well, you have to report it on your tax return. But if you're married filing joint and your uh, adjustable gross income is under 80,000, you are actually in the 0% tax rate. So that first year, um, during your transition into doing your own thing, it could be a great opportunity to look at some of your non-retirement investment accounts and maybe you sell some positions in a 0% tax rate. It's a pretty attractive opportunity. Yeah, definitely. So those are just a couple of things to be mindful of because especially with the oil and gas retiree, there's a good chance that you have a concentrated stock position that you're working through, i.e. you own a lot of company stock in your old oil and gas employer. And that may be creating some outsized risk, or you may be making a concentrated bet that you want to try to diversify away and taking advantage of those 0% capital gains rates could be a way to tax effectively move out of that position. That's right. And 
you know, there's, there's going to be a little bit of a temptation to just take a really low income because if you leave your big company and you don't have a health insurance that follows you until Medicare, you know, certainly some of the large oil and gas companies, they, they allow you to continue on with your health insurance until Medicare. If you don't have that, it's going to be tempting to just take a super low income and, uh, uh, go on the affordable care act and just get health insurance on the exchange and effectively, if you have no income, your health insurance is really, really cheap. But for most of you, that is taking a dime when instead you could have, you know, taken a full dollar or quarter. That's it's it's just not a great use of those low tax years. It's probably worth paying more in health insurance for a few years to to strategically take advantage of either a Roth conversion or harvesting investment accounts at a zero percent capital gains rate. Yeah. And that, the one other thing that's, you know, a good consideration if if you're retiring early, you know, by starting another business, it changes your t- it changes your tax picture in a lot of ways. But another way is the deductibility of expenses. There's some things you're probably paying for now that could become eligible business expenses. So that could change your tax picture a little bit and, and add add little slivers of value. But it's not it's not going to move the needle in your life, but it'll, it'll be something worth considering and that does factor into the equation a little bit. That's a great point. I want to bring up one uh, little warning or caution. Okay. So if you own a small business, let's say you're an LLC, maybe you file as an S corp, the IRS. Uh, so the current administration announced, I think it was last month or two months ago, they are going to almost double the IRS budget over the next five, 10 years. And so why do I bring this up? You just want to be really careful that business expenses are, are genuinely business expenses. Uh, and the reason I say that is if you are an LLC or an S Corp and you have a pretty significant income and you know the government's made it pretty clear that 400000 a year is, is kind of a benchmark that they're creating policy around. So if you're, if you're making 400000 a year or if there's potential to make 400000 a year, just understand this IRS budget is almost being doubled. There's going to be way more audits. And so who is the IRS going to go after? I mean, they they will certainly audit large corporations, but I mean, it it would be pretty ridiculous for a Fortune 500 company to, to be caught doing something that they shouldn't be doing. So the bigger opportunity from a revenue perspective in the IRS's eyes is they're going to look at Hey, this LLC filing as an S corp. This person made six hundred thousand dollars last year. Let's go audit them because there's a much greater chance that this person is buying vehicles through the business that have no business being bought through the business, or deducting things as business expenses that maybe are not. And so there's just so much more that goes into small business tax returns. Uh, and I do think we're going to see a, a dramatic increase in audits if you're making more than four hundred thousand a year. Yeah, uh, consult a tax professional. And if, you know, if you add the LLC, it creates a lot of opportunities and threats. So having somebody in your tax corner, helping you navigate all the complexity and take advantage of all the opportunities that are available definitely makes sense. Um, but to take a great opportunity to remind our listeners that, uh, this podcast is not legal advice. Yeah, that's right. So taking a step back. So if you're in your early sixties and you're trying to retire, there's, you know, there's a executional component. So replacing your income, taking advantage of the tax strategies, optimizing the opportunities, but answering the question of, okay, am I in the position to retire? What are some kind of philosophical questions that you that you would recommend that people think through? I think one of the things that I would say is, 
what are you know what are the range of range of outcomes that you would be you would think are acceptable right some people want to make maybe 400 a year 400,000 a year uh consulting or maybe all you need is 50 what are some questions you would have people ask to kind of help them understand if mentally they're ready not necessarily just financially but what are some of the other considerations there you know that's a it's a loaded topic i think one of the biggest things to think through is an idea that that we've talked about a little bit and Jared you've got some great thoughts on it is what are you retiring into? And so there's a difference between retiring from something because you're leaving something and you're you're wanting to get away from your company. That's one thing. And that's not a bad thing. Uh, and that, that's okay if you're doing that. But it is going to be much more enjoyable if you're not just leaving something, but you're also retiring into something else. And you bring up a great point. You don't need to necessarily, if you have the financial portion covered, you don't need to produce a, a great amount of income. From a from a new venture in retirement, assuming that you are you know financially independent, it could just be. I mean, you may not make any money, but you really enjoy the work, uh, and that's okay. Uh, which also brings up another point: it could be creating your own LLC, doing your own independent work. It could also just be volunteering a lot at your church or at any uh, local organization that you're passionate about. But there is so much merit to not just leaving something, but really going into something as well. Yeah. We're working part-time at a national park as a, or as a fly fishing guide, even it's wild what even small amounts of income will do to a financial plan, uh, just cause it creates less pressure on your portfolio and extends your time horizon, which are both, both great things. But I think, you know, you're spot on in that you want to retire from something, but also have clarity of what that next season looks like. How are you, how are, how are you cultivating the capital in your life in, in meaningful ways? And financial capital is just one part of that allocating your energy and your expertise into things that give you life and excitement. Like, like, you know, going back to Alan, he loved what he was doing and he loved passing the, but loved the idea of passing the baton to the next generation and getting to work with them and coach them and uh, both professionally and with his family. So that's, that's another, that's another consideration. So we're, we've talked about early sixties and kind of the opportunities there. What if, wait, did we, did we talk about QBI? No, we didn't. Let's talk about QBI real quick. So one opportunity as you, so let's say you're early 60s and you start your own LLC, you're doing independent work, some quick tax planning opportunities there. So potentially, let's say, let's just use some round numbers to pick something. Let's say you're making 100000 a year. And if your small business is eligible for QBI, qualified business income deduction, uh, you, get a, you get to deduct 20% of your, of your income there from the business. So then you're in a position where 20% of 100000 that's 20000 um, so you're at 80,000. Well, you could also do a self-employed 401k, solo 401k. You could make that a solo Roth 401k. Uh, because if you file a married joint return and you only have 80,000 in income on that return, really you should probably not lower your income further and just instead fill up the Roth bucket because you're only at a 12% tax bracket. And so QBI can lower your income. You could then do a self-employed solo Roth 401k and you can put 26, 20, yeah, 26,000, 19,500 plus 6,500, 26,000 into that Roth bucket. You could do additional contributions above and beyond that all the way up to uh, 64,500. Those would be pre-tax, but you could really fill up those buckets. Actually, that's kind of an interesting scenario. So what if you did make 100000 you take it down to 80000 But if you have some other assets to live off of, you could potentially 
shove 26,000 in a Roth 401k. You could shove an additional almost 30,000 ish um, in a pre-tax 401k. So that lowers your income from 80 down to 50. Now you're at 50. That's the top of the 10% tax bracket. So you could uh, potentially take a look at that. And what did, what do you have now? You might have some room to harvest capital gains at a 0% tax rate. Or you might, if you're sitting there and you left your large oil and gas company, and maybe you had $2 million in a 401k and another $2 million in a pension, that's a, that's a lot of pre-tax assets. You need to be doing heavier Roth conversions. And uh, you, might, you might take your Roth conversions significantly higher in that situation. But there's some, there's some pretty cool things you can do when you have an LLC. Maybe you're filing as an S-Corp. There's a lot of different opportunities to navigate uh, solo, self-employed retirement plans and kind of push the Roth lever or the pre-tax lever in whatever direction you want to, while also being mindful of your personal non-retirement brokerage account and harvesting some, some 0% capital gains there. Did I cover that, Jared? Anything you'd add to no. that? Uh, another more opportunity, self-employed plans, which is a whole nother can of worms, which is another, you know, piece of advice to consult a tax professional. So, but that really covers person in the early 60s. We could, yeah, we could probably do a whole nother episode on that. Um, there's a lot of things you could do. You can do cash balance pension plans, and oh my goodness, that's a huge opportunity if you have an LLC uh in retirement that is making a lot of money. So if you have a really heavy income, you can shelter a ton of that. And especially with proposed tax changes, that could become really attractive. But all right, we need to keep moving. We need to talk about early 50s. Yeah, Sorry or even that. early 50s or even late 40s, right? If, you, if you've done a good job saving and accumulating and the idea of you know maybe working part-time for longer and hitting the eject button from an oil and gas company sooner, what if you wanted to do that 10 years earlier or 15 years earlier or 20. Um, what are the things that people should be thinking through or what would we recommend to help somebody execute on that? Or what ideas do you have? We need to find a way to put this in the show notes. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we, uh, we did a newsletter on this topic of navigating the timeline of retirement. And I mean, when I, when I meet with clients or when I meet with anyone, I'm almost always drawing some sort of timeline on the whiteboard because understanding the stretch from age 45 all the way to age 65, 72 and beyond is really critical. And so we'll try to, maybe we can turn that newsletter into a blog post. Also subscribe to our newsletter. We put some great stuff out there, but man, that, that time frame. If you get to age 45 or age 50, you do not necessarily need to hit some crazy high number to do something different. So for example, you know, oil we've talked about this, oil and gas produce large oil and gas companies produce more retirees with 4 or 5 million plus and that people that never made, you know, 800,000 a year, but they reach retirement with a lot of assets. They produce way more of those families than any other industry. And so I think, I think the thing to consider here is you do not need to hit, you know, $4 million to go do something else. If you really want to do something else, you could have a fraction, small fraction of that at age 45 and 50. If you're then able to just leave your company and make enough to hit your expenses, if that's all, if you can just make enough as an independent contractor to basically meet your expenses and let whatever portfolio you already have continue to grow, 
yeah, you could really, you could leave your company drastically earlier than you think. Definitely. And one of the things I would add to that is from a tax diversification piece that needs to be considered. If you're retiring or you want to retire earlier than the than the early 60s, hit the eject button. Ta- tax divers- diversification really matters here because there's potential tax consequences to withdrawing from a 401k plan before 59 and a half. There's potential penalties that can be levied. So if you're wanting to retire earlier than that date and all of your money is pre-tax, you could be opening yourself up to a lot of penalties paid if you don't have any source of funds other than that big employer plan. So if you know if that's something you're considering or, or want to have the future optionality for, which is a big part of financial planning is creating future optionality, uh, the, the Roth buckets and the brokerage accounts, other forms of taxable, other tax registrations of assets become even, even more important. That's a really good point. Kind of a, a pretty decent plug for making sure that you can maximize uh, potentially after-tax 401k contributions to create more of a Roth bucket that has a little bit more flexibility. Also, my goodness, uh, if you are making under the limit to do a Roth IRA contribution, really try to max that out every year. Don't let a year go by where you don't hit that. Quick scenario. Let's say you're 40 and you want to be able to step away at 50 and do something else. If you simply can, and maybe you're making backdoor Roth IRA contributions because your income's too high, but if you can just hit those Roth IRA contributions, let's say you're married and you're doing 12,000 per year, 6,000 for you, 6,000 for your spouse, over 10 years, you've put 120,000 in the Roth if push comes to shove and you need some liquid assets, you you need to tap into something. You've got 120,000 there that you can take out penalty free, tax free. Whatever you contribute to to a Roth, it doesn't matter how old you are. You can always take that out, penalty free, tax free. And so I think that's a pretty big opportunity. Yeah, Jared, what are your thoughts on kind of that versus pre-tax versus just also building kind of a big runway with an emergency fund or just brokerage assets? Yeah. I'm a big fan of tax diversification, right? So a big part of it is, okay, what does your current allocation look like? And for most oil and gas people, it's, I would say, 85% and higher of their assets are pre-tax. So I would put an emphasis on filling up those other buckets. Uh, but but I would you know take inventory and see where your situation is and also consult a professional and see what what makes the most sense from a planning and potential tax perspective, but also building that diversification to allow for that future flexibility. Yeah. Cause that's one of the things that's underutilized is understanding, you know, ideally you would let that money compound for an extended period of time, but having uh being able to tap Roth assets, potentially penalty and tax free Roth basis contributions made could be, could be really valuable to your, uh, to your situation. And I think, you know, touching on that, also having a ton of good amount of liquid cash matters and an amount you're comfortable with. And there's a book answer to that, but there's also a a what feels good to you answer to that. Yes. I would say, you know, we talk a lot about maxing out your backdoor Roth uh, in your 401k. So the mega backdoor Roth doing after-tax contributions. If you're 40, 45, and you know that you would love to leave your company early and do something else, Maybe just don't do those and maybe just try to save a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand just in a bank account before you go off and launch. But there's really there's there's two ways to look at this. 
It's what are you doing at age 45 or 50? If you're going to leave your company, open a small LLC and you know do a independent consulting work, maybe it does take a year or two to get off the ground. So you really need that cash runway uh, to make that a reality. But if you're going to just go do something completely different, uh, maybe you're going to go teach at a small school or just do something completely different. Well, then it really doesn't matter. And it's okay if 90% of your assets are pre-tax in retirement plans. If you're just going to go from a position where maybe you were making you know, 250000 at a large oil and gas company, and you're okay just making 80000 in a job that you like a lot more, maybe in a different city or different state that you want to live in. In that case, then you're okay. And the key thing there is you're just allowing your assets to continue to grow. Jared, what do you think? How much, what would be a good mile marker or case study? How much do you need to have in retirement plans, just total investable assets to begin to think through something like this at age 48, 50, anywhere in there? Yeah, it's a, it's a trick question, Justin. I, I would say it depends, right? And you know, I know that's not a super helpful answer, but here are some good things to think through and to consider is, okay, what is my spend? What is my time horizon? So how long am I going to be retired? What are the odds of me being able to replace this income or meet my needs? And then how how much can I toggle my spending up or down? Like how much is discretionary and how much is fixed, right? Because really that's all retirement planning is, is making sure that, you know, the portfolio I have produces the future expense produces for the future expenses and liabilities in living that I need. And so getting a good handle on, okay, what is my spending? How much can I move that up or down depending on, you know, how my my encore career, my career after oil and gas, how much flexibility do I have there? And so it's not a super helpful answer, but understanding and beginning to answer those questions uh, helps you to begin to come up with a number in your mind because it's it's personal uh, depending on your answer to those to those types of questions. Yeah, that's a great point. Let me do a specific case study. So I'm going to give some actual numbers and this is just a case study. So we're just kind of, you know, spitballing here. Let's say that you're 50 years old and you have about a million dollars between pension, 401k and brokerage assets. One difficulty is, I mean, if, if, if you're, if you've got kids and your kids are, you know, say 12 to 15 or whatever in that stage, uh, you are truly in the most expensive years of your life. <laughs> my kids are much younger, but my goodness, things are getting expensive fast. Uh, but man, that stage where you have kids from 10 to, you know, when they go to college, you are spending a lot of money. But let's say that you are making 250000 a year and you want to take a job where you only make 100000 a year, but it's something you love doing. Or maybe it's independent consulting doing that. You can make that work because, well, if you spend $12,000 a month, no, $1 million is not enough to retire on. It's just not. Uh, But it absolutely is if you're going into something else and you're going to work for another 15, 20 years doing something you love, even though you're going to make a fraction of what you're making, because you may need to tap into your assets a little bit, especially as your kids enter into college age. Those are expensive years. But that's okay because if you're not really tapping into the bulk of your $1 million, maybe you're taking 1% or 2% per year. But if you're not starting to take 5% a year distributions, well, that $1 million is going to continue to grow. Even if you're not saving you know, $50,000 a year like you were working at ExxonMobil or Chevron. Well, I guess Exxon stopping the match makes that hard. But uh, if you're working at a large oil and gas company that's doing 401k matches and pension and stuff like that. But the point is, man, if you can just kind of replace your expenses with whatever you're going to do next, and that million allows, and you just allow that to continue to grow, 
I mean, if you can just not touch it until age 65, there's a really good chance that if it just grows at 7% a year, you're going to have $3 million at age 65. Uh, and then you're going to be Medicare age and you're going to be in a great situation. And you spent the last 15 years doing something you really loved. And so the main thought there is you can you can do a lot more than you think if you're able to just replace most of your expenses, uh, even with a lower income. Yeah. And those two scenarios are drastically different that you just painted. One, somebody retiring at 50 with a million dollars. And if, you know, let's say they live till age 100, a million dollars with a 50 year time horizon versus somebody retiring, it's or actually needing the portfolio at age 65 with $3 million and a 35 year time horizon. Those are two drastically different scenarios. So time is also one of your biggest assets and just allowing money to compound. It matters. That's right. Love this topic. Excited to dive into more and hopefully have some more uh, interviews in the coming months. Awesome. Well, that's all I got. Thanks for joining us this week on another episode of FPOG. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. You can subscribe or connect with us at brownleewealthmanagement.com or send ideas for future episodes to podcast at brownleewealthmanagement.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Nothing discussed during this show or episode should be viewed as investment, legal, and tax advice. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please consult the appropriate qualified professional.